Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today, I'm so excited to have with me my special guest, Mr. Dennis Gephardt, also known as Captain Color. He is a hair color expert. He has a chemistry background, and he brings so much to our industry in understanding the why behind hair color, how it actually truly works, respecting the hair fiber. So many gems have come from him. I've followed him since our Periscope days, and it is such a pleasure to have him here today on the podcast. Welcome, Dennis. Thank you so much. Hello. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks so much for inviting me. So we got so excited chatting before I pushed record and we were just throwing jam after jam. And I said, stop, 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 stop. Let's push record because we both are so passionate and excited about hair color. We were geeking out on all things color, but what we agreed on and the path that we were going down prior to pushing record is our mutual frustration in how much misinformation is out there. And Dennis is one person, I'm one person, and we are continuing to fight the fight and try to get the the best information shared as possible. And I know Dennis will agree that the biggest hurdle is that there's so much misinformation that when you hear our information, it seems that ours should be or could be misinformation. Does that does that ring a bell with you? <laughs> yeah. Elaine, you're spot on. That's exactly, that's the problem. The challenge that we have is that no one, uh, in a lot of situations, no one really knows what to, what to believe because there's so many different stories. You know, I used to tell this story when we were doing actual hair shows where you could physically go there to the show. I would say, I know you're going to get frustrated because you're going to go into one manufacturer's room and they're going to tell you one story about hair color. And then you're going to go to another manufacturer's room and they're going to tell you a completely opposite story about hair color. And if you're like me, you're going to walk out in the hallway and you're going to pull your hair out. You're going to be saying, who's right? Tell me what's right or accurate. And I think a lot of that comes from how we started in this business. You know, hairdressing really started as a craft that wasn't regarded as a profession or anything. It was a craft. And as a craft, we taught each other, each generation taught the next generation as they came into the industry. But as we got involved in doing more chemical services, hair color, for example, um, there was never really a lot of time spent on helping us understand what actually hair color is and how actually hair color works. And besides that, when the schools were teaching hair color, they had to have some sort of a resource to give them information on hair color. And the resources that they used were manufacturers. And here's the thing about a manufacturer. And I worked for one for 26 years. Uh, A manufacturer's goal at the end of the day is to get you to buy the product. That's the entire goal. And so 
when you make a product, it goes to usually what they call a marketing department. And usually marketing people have nothing to do with hairdressing. <laughs> they are, it's another word for sales. And so they build a story around a product. And then when the product's launched, the information that the educators are required to teach is the information that supports the story, even though the story might be skewed. Mm. And that's what we deal with today in this industry. That's why when people are switching hair color brands, they go, oh my God, I can't move to that brand. I have to learn a new color. I have to learn. And if they really understood that hair color is really hair color, you know, there are certain ingredients that you need to make a, a, a hair color. So in the, out of the gate, most of them are all pretty much the same. I know that hurts people's feelings. Because oh, I agree. A hundred percent. They say, I love my, my brand X. And that, that's great because you didn't pick it because of the ingredients. You picked it because it was mixed easy. It smelled good. Mm -hmm. You love the swatch book. It had a really cool swatch book. That's the reason you usually pick your color. You don't pick it because of the ingredients that are in the hair color. And so I found at a manufacturer when I worked for one that they wanted us to tell the story that marketing built, which was, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't a lie. It was a skewed story mm. to enhance what they were doing. In other words, it would enhance our product. I'll give you an example. Um, I worked for Redken for 26 years. I don't know whether you know that or not. Yeah. I, uh, Okay, so we created a product called Shimmer One. Okay, I don't know whether you ever remember that product or not, but it was I a do. hair color brand that was designed in a 10 to 15 minute window to bump the hair a half a level to a level. That was it, okay? So when we set with marketing, they said to us, so what's in your product? What are you using? Like what kind of protein are you using? We said, well, we were using rice protein. Ooh, that's cool. That's different. Uh, what are you doing for shine? You know, are you doing anything for shine? Well, yeah, we're experimenting with putting mango butter in it. So it stays natural. It's more of a natural story about the product. Oh, that's great. You know, and so those were things that we thought were just part of the ingredient deck to help the product perform well. Well, when they launched the product, they launched it with Trilight technology. <laughs> And we looked at each other and we went, what's Trilight technology? <laughs> Where did that come from? And, and so that's what happened. That's why people are so confused because there's so many different stories. So my company, Guru Nation, uh, and I formed that company in 2015. And I formed it because I had worked for two manufacturers, one for 26 years, one for four four years and two months. And I finally decided I, I couldn't work for another manufacturer because I did not want to be a person who every year was representing a different company. Uh, integrity is one of the ways I live my life and the way I do business. And it's the way I have my relationships with people. So my friend said, why don't you open non-branded education? And I said, well, I've always had a product to hold and talk about. They said, but you always tell the truth. So you make marketing people mad at you anyway. So <laughs> why don't you just offer 
non-branded education. And so we started out in 2015 and we continue today uh, offering brand neutral information, meaning that we tell you exactly how, the pro how products work. This is what's in hair color, pretty much every hair color. Um, this is how hair color actually works. This is what's happening. This is how, this is how hair responds to hair color. Here are the things you need to, to be aware of that could cause your color to go sideways. And none of those have anything to do with product. <laughs> they have everything to do with mechanics and behavior. User error, yes. <laughs> User error, absolutely. And so we, our goal is to help empower salon professionals so that they understand why and how the product works. Because my mentor always said, once you know the why, why does that happen? Then the how becomes really easy and it makes you feel empowered. And that's one of the things I think a lot of times we lack is that self-confidence because we think that one product is so foreign compared to another product. And, and it's really not actually true. But we do talk a lot about ingredients in manufacturers, you know, because every manufacturer has their favorite ingredient. It doesn't make it, you know, the cure-all. It just means that's the focus of their marketing story. So the, the biggest aha moment for me, I was in Italy with a hair color company and we got to go to the factory where the color was made. And I am very inquisitive. I always want to know why. I always want to know how. And I kept veering off the tour. I kept mm -hmm. going down these aisles that I wasn't supposed to be going down. And everybody kept saying, why are you, you're not supposed to be back here. And it was like this big secret thing. And basically it, it showed me that to your point, hair color, all the pigments are the pigments. It doesn't matter if it's L'Oreal, Redken, Schwarzkopf, you know, you name any brand, it's all, the base is all the same. What's different to your point, and you know chemistry better than me, is the fragrance. It's the emollients. Mm -hmm. It's the extra little additives, just like shampoo and makeup and all the other things that we use on our bodies. And I think a lot of colorists, this is the thing that drives me the most crazy. And I'm sure you feel the same way when you're in different forums and you see questions. It's the blame game. Oh, yeah. Oh, this color just does not work. <laughs> All my gray isn't, I'm like, Dennis, when I tell you I have colored hair for 34 years, I have yet to not cover gray ever, ever That's in right. my life. That's and right. I'm like, I just keep scratching my head and I'm like, why is the, the product being blamed? It is clearly user error. And I, I will say very kindly, as kindly as possible, because I say it so many times, the most common things that are happening are one of three things, improper formulation, mm -hmm. lazy application, mm -hmm. and cutting the timing short. So mm -hmm. look into those three things, then think about changing color lines, because it's usually... Right. 99% of the time, it has nothing to do with the product at all. And then you get all these nasty replies. And then I retreat into my little shell and say, okay, they'll find me or Dennis eventually. <laughs> when, they, when, they've been, when they've gone through six or seven different hair color lines, I think they'll finally look in the mirror and realize that it may have a little bit to do with their lack yeah. of why, you know, and, and the, the reason that hair color does or doesn't right. work. Right. You know, Elaine, you talk about Italy. It's really funny because there's a town in Italy called Brescia, Brescia, Italy. Mm. And there are eight hair color factories in that town. So 
all of those, you can go in and you can say, I want to buy a hair color brand. I want my name on it. They already have it ready made for you. And they just say to you, what do you want? What kind of fragrance are you interested in? Yeah. And here are the additives that you can have. They call them enhancements. And, and that's the reason I think everyone wants to, they, they put all the power in the product. When, when we first started uh, Guru Nation, um, I took a model. I went to lo my local CVS. I bought a box hair color. I applied the color to her hair processor. And then I took a picture, did a photo shoot, and I posted it on social media. And in the, in the little box, I said, why would a savvy colorist post box hair color on social media? Here's why. It doesn't matter what the color I is. That. I love that. And that's another and, whole misinformation that people oh, blame box oh color goodness, for everything. Gracious. Let me tell you, I've seen my my clients get better coverage and better results out of a box than some yeah. professional brands. Right, exactly. So I think that's one of those missing pieces. You know, for me, I, I always talk to, when people come to study with me, I always say, I think there were just pieces of the puzzle that we didn't get. Uh, I don't know why, maybe they didn't know about those pieces of the puzzle, or maybe they didn't feel those were important, but those little pieces of the puzzle uh, really help us understand the whole big picture. And when, I, like I told you earlier, when I went to beauty school and, um, in beauty school, I thought I was a colorist because I would have a patron. That's what they were called. I'd walk <laughs> back to the little window. I'd take my bottle, shove it through the window, and either a senior student or one of the instructors would fill it up. I'd screw the lid on it and go squirt it on somebody's head. You know, I wasn't a colorist. <laughs> I was a human applicator. But when I had my first hair color nightmare in the first salon I worked in, which was my best friend's mother, I realized I didn't know anything about hair color. I thought, you know, they walk in, they go, I want to be beige blonde. Well, go back to the back and pick the label that says beige blonde. Beige blonde yep. And realize that there was, if you don't understand how hair color works, it makes it very, very difficult to be successful. That's why today, 2020, most hair colorists only use about six shades of hair color. Their six favorite because that's that part of that pathway that they know, but don't take them outside that pathway because they get really concerned. Um, I love the, when they talk about demi-permanent versus permanent, because I don't know whether you know this or not, you, you may. Um, I was one of the three people on the team that created Shade DQ for Redken. Yes. I worked with Dr. Hayal Saeed and Dr. Bill Baylor. And so, <clears throat> When they started promoting shades, again, the marketing people started promoting it as though it was different than permanent hair color. And the fact is, demi-permanent colors are nothing more than permanent hair color. That's all that they are. And I, I use the example of Wella. When Wella had their toners and they had their regular color charm, and when you mixed a toner, you would do double 10 volume with your toner. That was a permanent color. <laughs> That's all you were using. And, and we kind of think that it, there's a huge difference. And there's really not today. In fact, demi-permanent has 
metamorphosed. It's moved. It's it's morphed into really um, a low volume permanent hair color because when we originally created demi permanent colors, the the way we were able to do that was we kept the pH of the product low at about an eight point five pH. Okay, and I think. That's another thing, the pH scale, people don't understand that either. So by keeping it at 8.5 pH and then mixing it with a, a like a 2% uh, developer, it allowed us to process it almost at seven, which would be the balance point on the pH scale. So we would swell the cuticle, but we wouldn't really affect much of the pigment in the cortex area. Well, now manufacturers say, well, look, um, now you don't have to do that. We have a permanent color that's a hybrid. So you can add this magic solution to it and it makes it into a demi-permanent, which you can't do that scientifically. You can't um, because acid and alkaline, those make up the pH scale. And the one thing you learn in science is that alkaline always trumps acid. So if I have something like, if you take and do a pH of the own color, your own color that you use, if your pH of your color in the tube sets about 9.5 and in that range, 9.5 to 10, if you mix it with 20 volume developer, which sets about pH of 3.5, guess what? The pH of your mixture is 9.5 because the acid is not strong enough to change the pH of the mix. In order to do that, you'd have to use a huge amount of, well, we found an acid that would adjust the pH, but you couldn't put it in plastic. It would disintegrate the plastic. Mm. So they need to understand that, that when you use a demi-permanent color, you're using a permanent color. There's nothing wrong with that, but it has the same longevity as a permanent color does. When we taught shades, we didn't say it doesn't last as long. What we said is, one, if you stay tone on tone, there will be no visible line of demarcation. And two, when it fades, it fades on tone because all the colors had background in them. So naturally they would fade with a nice soft background. There wouldn't be a strong line of demarcation. You wouldn't get those off tones. And so that was all misinterpreted as well. Then Absolutely. they took and, it. And most of the time when you're in the salon, I owned my salon for 30 years. The people that they sent in from the manufacturer were not colorists. No. So I would feel bad when they, when they would say, we're going to come and teach a class. I would say, great, awesome education. And I would block off time on the book, have my income producing stylist, not producing income because I wanted right. them to get the best of education. Right. And every word out of their mouth, I was cringing, cringing, cringing. And so I couldn't take any more. And then I would finally interrupt and say, no. No, this right. is not true. And I would ask a question and they would kind of give me the hairy eyeball and be like, can I get back to you on that? And then I would reach out to the distributor and say, who was that person that you sent to me and why right. did you send them to me? So it's irresponsible and it's part of the issue. I think it's safe to say that your average student, as well as my student right now, is someone who's been in the industry 15 plus years. Do you find that? You know, oh, yes. you and I think we're reaching the beginners. We're not reaching the beginners. No, no. The, I, I'll tell you a story about a, 
a hairdresser who wanted me to come and do a color program for her salon here in California. On Instagram, she is an influencer, okay? And I will just leave it at that. But I mean, she is highly regarded. So when I was setting up the class, I said, so you want me to, you want me to do some advanced techniques and things like this? She goes, well, actually, no. She said, I figured out where I am. She said, but I don't have any foundation. No, why? Yeah. So I'm rolling the dice every time I color hair. So I would yeah. like you to come in and teach us about the color wheel. And I just, when I got off that call, I just went, oh my God. But on social media, this person is huge. Yep. So, and they had been done doing hair for a long time. Um, it's the new ones, the new younger stylist, a lot of them, they make that discovery themselves. I've had several reach out to me and go, you know, I graduated from school two years ago, but I realized once I'm here in the industry, I don't know what I'm doing. I need someone to give me some help, give me some guidance, you know, and I always tell them is that don't believe anything I tell you, always test it. Test it. I do hear you say that. And that yeah. that's awesome because that builds the yeah. trust. You right. Know, you can tell them anything, but they're not going to believe you until they see it for themselves. Exactly. One of our most successful little exercises is doing die outs. And I, I did that at Redken and they hated me for doing that. But um, I said, look, die out your brand. Well, what am I looking for? Well, look to see what's in your color. Well, they said, but I have a swatch book. That doesn't mean anything. Mm -mm. A swatch book is made of I nylon. Hate swatch books. I just went on a rant this morning about swatch <laughs> yeah. books. It's made of plastic. So, <clears throat> and I know that because yeah, you I had to went, be part of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so <clears throat> we went to Montreal to a company called Colorride, who makes swatch books. And we went in and it was reams and reams of nylon thread. And so we would say, this is what we want. And then they would come back and they would say, how about this? We go, well, it needs to be adjusted. It has, it has really, it's only a facsimile of what you might get. It's might, not might is, yes. is, is the big word there, might. <laughs> yeah, it's not as true as dying it out. And so I have them dye out their colors and I have them dye it out on white cotton. Just go to the fabric store, get yourself some white cotton or take a t-shirt or whatever. And I have them look to see, number one, what the background of their color is. Because every blended hair color has background, has tone, and it has reflect. So you need to know what your background is. And they said, well, okay. So they dye them out. And some of them, I, I just did a training last year for a major company's educators. They brought me in just to teach the trainee educators and we did dye out. And they discovered that their ash family was the same color as their natural family. Mm. And they said, well, no wonder we can't control warmth. And I go, right. And they said, well, what do we do? I said, well, first of all, they're not going to reformulate for you. So now you have to rethink how you teach using the ash family. So you have concentrates. So I taught them how to piece together a story that would allow people to use their color and have some degree of success. But it's an amazing revealing thing because what we think's in the color is not there. Like sometimes there's a gold family and when you dye it out, you don't see any gold. Sometimes there's a red family and when you dye it out, it's not a rich looking red, it's a really hollow looking red. 
So it's not fully pigmented. Now, there's a reason that certain color chemists do that. You know, chemists are like hairdressers. <laughs> there's some that are really good <laughs> and there's some that are not so good. And so some of them formulate a color assuming that the hair is going to contribute, contribute what's missing and therefore it will give you that full tonal that you're looking for. So like in a red shade, they assume the hair is gonna contribute some more warmth and it's gonna make it a brighter, more intense red. So you have to know that when you're formulating, some of the backgrounds are opaque. You can't even see through them. They look like mud. Some of the backgrounds are translucent. Why is, why is the importance of that? Well, what if I'm trying to cover gray with a translucent hair color? I'm still gonna color cover the gray but for me, if, I looking, if I'm looking for an opaque result, I'm going to say it didn't cover the gray. It didn't cover, yep. Yeah, and that's why I'd say, no, it covered the gray. It colored the gray. It's just that you were using a translucent color instead of an opaque color. And if I'm using an opaque color and looking for a reflective result, like I really want a bright copper, my opaque colors maybe not going to give me that. It's going to look less reflective because I really needed something translucent. And, and nobody talks about that in our industry. And that's why people mix like nine different formulas together. Mm, I love those formulas. I always I say after three, really after two, but after three colors, you're just making a really expensive neutral and just stop. Yeah. You know? and, and it's always the drop of this and a pinch of that. And, you know, sometimes now that I live in Florida, you know, I used to get tons of hair color cards that a client would come with her little card from her hairstylist mm -hmm. from Florida with the formula and they never made sense. Right. And I'm like, this is either someone messing with me because they don't want the client to think that I'm a better colorist than them. And they're giving me a fake formula. Cause I know that happens. Right. Or that person is Hail Mary full of gracing their way through. Yeah. And this formula happened to accidentally work, but is a really bad idea. And, you know, a, a really long way around getting to basically a, a six or seven N and it's, right. it's really frustrating to see that. No, I totally agree with you, Elaine. I always tell people, you know, after you mix the first two colors, maybe the first two colors and an accent or a concentrate. Yes. Everything after that, if you're adding something, that's all emotion. It has nothing yes. to do with the result. It's that little voice in your head going, what if? Yeah, but. You know, and I always kind of use the analogy of kind of like cooking. Like, you know, people who cook and they just keep adding stuff and adding stuff and adding stuff. And finally, there's really no flavor. Yes. It's like it's all mushed together. And that's what happens with color. But we do that, I think, because we're emotional people anyway, hairdressers. Yes. And so we do that to make ourselves feel safe. So if I, if I put warmth in there and she says it's not warm enough, you say I put warmth in it. Or if I put ash in it, one inch of blue in the color, and she says it's still warm. You say, well, I put ash in it. It's a defense mechanism because we really don't know how to formulate. We understand formulas. We, we yes. want formulas. Um, I have a good friend in New Orleans. His name is Kevin Champagne. And Kevin is a very exuberant fellow. And um, he was doing a class with me in New Orleans. 
and we were on stage and he was coloring one of the model's hair. And the lady in the front row said to him, said, can you give me her formula? Mm. He, he said, oh, I didn't know that you knew her. And she goes, no, <laughs> I, I don't know her. And he goes, well, then why do you want her formula? You know, and it was really right to the point. That I love that. We want a formula, but we don't know how to formulate. And, and it's hard to get people to understand. There are certain steps that can make formulation relatively easy for you if you just think about those things. But usually we don't. I know you know this. There are hairdressers who have salons in, where they have parking lots in front of the big window. And they see their client pull up in the car. They're actually mixing the color before the client comes into the salon. Yes. And I always say to them, after you do a client the first time, every color service after that, you have to consider it color correction, correction. or color 100%. adjustment. hundred percent. Okay. Because you now are having to adjust for their poor habits at home. And, and that's why I try to get her just to understand that is that you have to look at the head, you have to assess it. You're not always going to use the same formula every time they come in. It's not You're the same head coming back to you that, is, that walked in that not. day. It is not. That leads me to a question that I wanted to be sure to bring up with you. I attended a class on Sunday and the person teaching said something about, you know, the new trend of not washing our hair as frequently. And I was a proponent of that in the salon. I would tell my clients, stop washing your hair so much. Your hair is not dirty, you know? And I would, and they would say, but I work out. And I would say, well, then if you have to just rinse it, but don't shampoo it every time. And this educator said, that's bad advice because the salt from the sweat now you're taking it from the, just the scalp through to the hair. Is that something that I'm giving out misinformation on? Because I, I want to be aware of that if I'm. Uh, it's one of those fine lines. Is it possible? Yes. Um, can you verify that that's always going to cause an issue as far as, you know, breaking down the color? No. Uh, I think if they were to use an acidifying rinse, that would change the whole thing because an acidifying rinse, remember salt is more high, it's higher in pH. And so it can sometimes, um, if you, only if you have residual dye in the cuticle layer, will it really do anything? It's not really gonna affect the cortex at all. Okay. So, so I would have them use some sort of an acid rinse. I, I, to me, that was one of the key things that every color client needs to have with them is an acidifying rinse, something at a low pH, about a 3.5 pH. Because here's what happens. You color someone's hair and once a hair is colored, okay, even though it's, it's you've done your job, you've conditioned it and all of that, you've changed the hair. The hair is more susceptible now. It's more in a fragile state. And so it would be susceptible to picking up, you know, foreign material in the air, to picking up uh, anything that could, it could attract mineral deposits and things like that, which makes it more negatively charged, more negatively charged. And the more negatively charged the hair is, the more the cuticle will swell. So if they're using an acidifying rinse, which is a positively charged acid pH, that's going to counter some of that. So for maintenance at home, I find it's important for them to do that. I also make uh, toning shampoos for my clients to use at home to maintain their color. 
the reason I do a toning shampoo is because I use direct dyes, which are cationic, which means they attach themselves to the negative sites in the hair. So this helps to maintain that color while they're away. I only do that for people that have, especially the ones that have fine texture, because you know, fine texture has a much smaller cortex and it has much heavier concentration of cuticle. So because of that, when you color a fine strand of hair, most of your color development is not really happening in the cortex, it's actually happening in the cuticle layers. And that is why your clients with fine hair will have a tendency to fade much more than medium or coarser textures of hair. I don't know whether you've ever noticed that or no, not. No, I didn't, that's interesting. But, but that's what happens. And so any kind of abuse they treat to fine hair, you know, a personal abuse, home, flat iron when they don't need it, um, you know, flat iron over hairspray, <laughs> all of those kinds of things, that can cause that color to break down. And once that color breaks down, then they're gonna have a color loss much quicker. So by using a, a toning shampoo, and I make it using just simply direct dyes and a cadioc shampoo base. And so making that helps maintain that for those kind of clients, especially. I think that sometimes understanding different hair types and how they respond to color is real important. You know, that's why hair around the front of the hairline, if it's that fine denier hair, it's going to take the color more dramatically. And the reason is because it's finer hair. So the uptake of color is much more, much stronger, but the release of color is also much, much more. And so that's why when they have that kind of hair color, that hair around the front of their hairline, you have to treat that differently. You may have to use more than one formulation. You may have to do a lot of different things in order to make that hair respond more successfully. And they do the same thing with coarse hair. Coarse hair has, of course, much more cortex and very little cuticle, but it's what we call fat hair. And usually when they encounter fat hair, they think, oh, this is an oak tree, not a bamboo tree. I'm gonna need 40 volume and I'm gonna need the high level color. Well, if you think that cuticle only makes up about 20% of coarse hair and you swell that cuticle with high alkalinity and then you hit it with 40 volume peroxide, which is like sandblasting it, <coughs> they're gonna rip off part of that cuticle layer. And so that hair won't hold color at all. Mm -hmm. So understanding the different textures of hair is just as important as all of the other things. But <coughs> understanding how hair responds is real important. So. What's an example of the asset product that you were talking about, like for a client to do or for you to do after a color service, what would be an example? Uh, let's see. Well, Redken used to make one called Final Phase, which was oh, a 3.5, 3.0. Um, a company called Formula 18 makes one called Formula 18 Leave-In Conditioner. Uh, I think Joico has an acidifying rinse. I think Matrix has an acidifying rinse. Um, I'm not sure, but anyone who has an acidifying rinse about a 3.5 pH or, you know, you could use vinegar, but that doesn't smell really good. <laughs> so, but that is a pH of three and that would really constrict the cuticle and protect the hair. And I think also with, along with not understanding how hair color works and formulation, I think an, an equally huge problem is not understanding how to care for the fabric 
for future caller services. I was always guilty of that. I never used a porosity equalizer in the past. I never used anything <clears throat> after color to seal everything and lower the pH. I was not aware of the fact that I'm changing the, the chemistry of the fiber that I'm working on. It was all about the visual result. Does it, right. is it the color blonde that I want? Yay me, you know, shampoo them, put whatever conditioner, send them to get a haircut, bye-bye. And then right. now that I have, you know, discovered you and I understand how much more there is to the actual composition and integrity of the fiber, I feel like there's a lot missing in that, you know, as far as right. to your point, a manufacturer is going to say, oh, smell this. It smells so great, but you don't understand what is the pH? Is it acid or alkaline? Where, where, what is it doing to the fiber of the hair? Exactly. And uh, like blonding is especially where now, you know, this is just an observation from somebody who lived through the hair of the 80s. <laughs> I, I see more damage being done to hair today. Oh, absolutely. Then we were doing in the 80s. And trust me, girl, in the 80s, <laughs> we were going, we were doing everything to the hair. But it's understanding, I think, I think a lot of times it's understanding what blonde hair means when you lighten the hair to the point to where you have 90% reflect and 10% light absorption. That means you've affected the structure of the hair. And you've affected it to that to that, I always call it taking it to the edge of death. You know, you have to leave enough structure in that hair in order for it to hold on to the toner. And a lot of people don't understand where pale yellow is. And that's why most of them only get their hair to yellow or they go to what I call Nirvana blonde. That means there's no <laughs> structure left in the hair at all. And then they wonder why the toner goes flat. Doesn't hold, yeah. Or yeah. It's too flat. yeah. Yeah. So, it's understanding that that's fragile hair. You've created fragile hair. Now, there's nothing wrong with creating fragile hair to create blondes as long as you know how to maintain it and as long as you know where to stop. You know, um, and that's what I see happening today when I look at social media and I see a lot of people taking hair. They're really destroying the hair because, because they don't simply don't know especially with direct dyes today, because there's a lot of, you know, the um, unicorn kind of color being done with direct dyes. And one of the things that I see them trying to do is they use a direct dye, their client comes in, wants a different color, and then they try to bleach, bleach the direct the, dye yep, out yep. of the hair. And they don't understand that direct dyes do two things when you color hair with them. One, they embed themselves in the cuticle layers. Remember the cuticle, it, on an average head, it's seven to 10 layers of cuticle. They embed themselves in the cuticle layers and they stain the cuticle because the cuticle is semi-permeable and translucent. So you can kind of see through it. So when you're looking at a hair strand, a virgin hair strand, you're not really seeing the cuticle, you're seeing through the cuticle to what the cortex, that's where the melanin and pigment in the hair actually really lives, the majority of it. So if I stain the cuticle, think about what direct dyes do to your fingernails. Mm. And now I say, I'm gonna bleach it. So bleaching is like, it's a decomposing product. That's what a bleach is. So decomposition means it destroys everything around it. That's what bleach is. 
And so if I try to bleach that out, I'm not going to be bleaching out of the cuticle. I'm really lightening the hair underneath it, which is a structure. Which started out already light. Yes. That's I think what they forget too. It was already pale, pale light yeah. underneath. And they already, and if you, if they do profile shots, you can see the shredded hair. You know, you can see the hair is just completely shredded. And so trying to get them to understand they need to change the color first before they lighten the hair. And they just, they really have a hard time understanding that. I think because it's, it's a hard thing to accept. So here's the reason I say that. If I have an unnatural tone in the hair, no matter how I try to lighten it, it will still look bad. Okay, I may be able to lighten it to a gray or to something, but it's still going to look bad. I'm never going to make it light naturally because you don't have a complete color. Right. You only have a part of a color. But if I add what's missing to mimic what a natural undertone would look like, then when I go to lighten it, it's going to lighten so much easier. And sometimes I don't even have to lighten it. All I've done is change the color. Now, especially if I'm going to a darker shade, I can approach this just like a tent back in a color correction. This is one of your brain smoke moments. I remember Shannon reached out Shannon to Keel, you. Shannon yes. Yes. And that was like your moment in the sun. Like I loved every <laughs> minute of that because at first I was kind of like, the head to the side, like, wait, what? But it totally makes sense. So yeah. talk more about that, how, yeah. you know, blue is not a natural tone to be found in hair and right. you have to give the blue what it needs to create a neutral, normal color so that you can then go over or, or lift through it. Exactly. Exactly. So I tried to create or mimic what a natural undertone would look like. So for blue, for example, depending on the value blue that it is, the visual value, I'm going to mix an, a complementary color, which is probably going to be more like a copper gold is what I'm going to use on it. And that's going to make it look more like a natural underlying pigment. It's going to make it look more like a natural undertone would look. Then I can take, I don't even need to use peroxide with my bleach I can mix it with a little water and I can gently bump it and then I can tone it the way I want it to be for Shannon she had pink in the hair and she couldn't get pink out of the hair she said Dennis it just keeps a lighter version a lighter version of pink I said use yellow she went that. what yeah <laughs> she goes, what color yellow I go yellow bumblebee school bus yellow and the reason is because pink in hair color is not light red. Pink in hair color is red violet. So if I use yellow on it, it turns it into almost an, an orange, orange gold undertone. And then it's much easier to lighten or go darker no matter what you want to do. That's why in color correction, when for permanent color, when that client comes in, she's a blonde and she's got that green in her hair from being out in the summer, you know, being in chlorine and all like that. You know, people say, and you see it on social media, they go, well, you have to use red for green. Well, that's what we were all taught, but that's not true. Okay. Because here's the way I try to get them to understand it. She's got green and blonde hair. Yes. Yes. What's the dominant color in blonde yellow. What color do I need to add to yellow to make the color green? Blue. Therefore, blue is what you're fighting. You're not fighting green. Use orange. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. So, because if I were to use red, because the canvas primarily is yellow, I would actually be making it warmer, warmer and not, orange, yeah. not naturalizing it. And With so, the Shannon situation though, did she have to use Bumblebee Yellow Vivid? Like, does yes. it have to be another Vivid on top of the Vivid? Yes. Or Direct can it be dye. like a Demi Pure Yellow, like a kicker or something? Well, uh, if it's pure, here's the thing about permanent colors and even Demi colors. If they have oxidative dyes in them, if you have to mix them with a developer, and yeah. then you're going to end up with a, a muddy result. Right. That makes sense. So that's why I say direct dye on direct dye. And where they have to really make sure is they have the right value. In other words, is the blue a dark blue or is the blue a light blue? Then you mix your corrector the appropriate level. That's why I, I saw one time people posted on social media. They said, well, I was trying to lighten the blue out of her hair and the hair turned green. And then one of these social media experts said, well, of course, because green is part of blue with those artificial direct dyes. And I went, wait a minute, green. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? Green is not part of blue. <clears throat> so I really How do you sleep at night, my friend, is what I want to know, because <laughs> I have to I have to step away a lot from it at, at nighttime yeah. because I get so fired up sometimes I can't sleep. I know. I know. I've had to try to control my control myself because I'm not good at honey and syrup on a statement. Sometimes what I what I type in text, sometimes it's just it's very straightforward. And some people get offended by that. So I have to really stop and think before it. And I always, when I, I look at those posts on social media, I have this invisible sign, Elaine, that starts blinking for me. <laughs> and it says, quicksand, quicksand, don't Caution. go there. Caution, <laughs> abort mission, get off that page. <laughs> But I've tried Which to is explain. a shame because you are a gift to our industry and you know so much more than 98% of the people that are fighting with you. And that's what hurts is that you come from a place of service. You're not trying to be a know-it-all. You're not charging no. them for the information. You're saying, this is what I know to be true. I spent 26 years working for these manufacturers. I understand the chemical, unlike the chemists who create this product. I am a chemist that uses this product. Exactly. And, and th that is exactly true. It's like on the blue story, I always tell them, I say, no, why do you think you got green? And they go, well, I don't know. And I say, okay, think about this. The blue stained the cuticle. Yes. When you were lightening the hair, you weren't lightening the cuticle, you were lightening the cortex. Yes. So eventually the cortex will become light enough. It's going to contribute an underlying tone. And what, what is the underlying tone at the lighter levels? Yellow. What do yellow and blue make? Green. That's why you saw green in the hair. You know, and just trying to, I try to walk them through it so that they, they kind of understand that. And you're right. There are, there's some people who are just totally convinced. Um, well, I see them argue over the color wheel. Doesn't that frustrate you? It's like, that's like watching people argue over gravity. Yes. You know, look, gravity is gravity. People don't argue over gravity. Why are you arguing over the color wheel? I mean, can there be some agreement about the color wheel? But um, it's just the nature of our industry. And I think it's because whoever taught them, and that's what I look for when I see someone who has a lot of, misinformation 
I always say, where did you learn that? You know, because for me as a trainer, I believe it's a great thing that people listen to what I say, that people have faith in me, but that's a lot of responsibility too. Mm-hmm. And my responsibility to them is, first of all, I, I'm honored that they believe in what I say, but I also feel that I have to make sure that I'm always trying to deliver information in a way that they can understand in a way that will help them be more successful. And um, I want to make sure my information is, is accurate because, um, and I'm sure you get this too from people who follow you. They say, well, what do you think of this new X, Y, Z? And I go, well, I've not seen that yet. I don't, I have no, I have no opinion. Until I know for sure. I don't know what this is. Yeah. I don't know what this is. And they think that your brain's a Google and they think that you, you can immediately, you know, go to that information. But um, I know there's always a story and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if I, if I had a product, I would have a story about my product. Um, I remember setting with many color manufacturers and, and they said, well, we have to have a story because the story is compelling and it gets them to buy the product. I said, well, I don't know about you, but I find the truth pretty compelling. I agree. <laughs> you know, <laughs> how about be nice. <laughs> uh, how about a product that performs well, and we're going to teach you how to use it and maximize it, so that you can create some great results. And um, you know, to me, that is what. To me, that's the big advantage is being able to help people maximize whatever product they're using and have better results with that product. I don't think any color chemist ever sat down and said, let's make a product that really does terrible. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody ever said that. They always have a goal to make a product that does well. But sometimes it doesn't do everything that the story says that it does, or it doesn't do it in that way. And you know, I we always have, say we, if a company does actually come out with a hair color product that can lift a level five to a beautiful, um, balanced, cool ish level eight with no brass, you know, I can't tell you. I just met with um, a really good friend of mine who works for a big manufacturer, and she said, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you to do my hair. We have a brand new product. And it's a base break that doesn't get brassy at all. And I said, I do not believe you. I don't believe that it exists. And whoever creates that product is going to be really, really, really wealthy beyond Oprah wealthy uh, because of what what is present in the hair. I mean, we all want to make people cool, lighter and cool. And we, we do our best to get there. But to my knowledge, in, you know, November of 2020, that does not exist yet. Well, I had one of my followers reach out to me. I think I forgot what we were talking about. I was talking about colors being pretty much the same. And he said, well, don't you believe that there's been advancement in technology? And I said, of course there has been. Uh, Not like other technologies, but there's been advancement. You know, a lot of people are using micropigment technology. That's all great. Um, But there's one thing that hasn't changed, and that's the human species. Yes. So you, you... you have to take that, that has to be part of the equation. You know, there are some people that you just simply can't make platinum blonde. 
No, you can get them light. Don't get me wrong. But they're not going to stay platinum blonde. It's because of the way God made them and the way their hair is made and the pigment that's in their hair. You know, it's like, it's not a challenge. I'm not throwing down the gauntlet and saying to you, you can't make her blonde. It's that you can't make her blonde and let her stay there. She won't stay there for you. And her, won't, no matter her what hair you, won't stay on her head if it does absolutely. get there for very long. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And so that I think is real important that they don't really understand that. You know, one of the things I've introduced into my classes is uh, a little bit of physics to help them understand the law of color, not the law of hair color, but the law of color to understand that the only way we have color is with vision and light because without vision and light, there is no color and it only exists in your mind. And I try to get them to understand that every object, its color is determined by its size, its shape and its chemical structure. And so the hair is a chemical structure. The hair is not just, you know, the hair is a chemical structure. So what we do is we really don't paint a fence. We actually take a chemical and merge it with another chemical, a chemical with a chemical structure. That's what our art is. So you have to understand why you see the colors you see, why you can only see those colors. That's why hair gets lighter. You know, I talk about conjugated bonds. That's what the structure that makes up the hair, uh, cysteine, sustain, they're all those conjugated paired bonds as they become smaller and become more fractured, they separate and it takes the color, it breaks it down. The smaller they become, the less you can see the color until it actually gets outside the visible spectrum and then you can't see color at all. That's how hair color fades. Hair color fades because the intermediary, the, the precursors, I'm sorry, the couplers and the modifiers break down over time. When they break down, the intermediaries are still in the hair. But what connected them and created that color is, gone, is worn away. So that's where fade inch happens. So they're still not, they're not out of the hair yet. They're still in the hair. It's just you can't see it. That's the way color extractors work. I was just going to say, that's what's important in knowing how to use a color extractor is that absolutely. When, it, when it goes back dark yeah. and people are scratching their head, it's because it's still in the hair. You just can't you know, visibly see it. Exactly. Exactly. Dennis, this, so, this is going to turn into a four hour podcast. <laughs> my my <laughs> mind is like blown and, and I do understand more than the average colorist. And there's, there's so much more for you to, to share. Wow. And I'm, I'm so excited to bring you to people who don't currently know who may not know who you are. I think both of us suffer from a bit of ageism in the industry. I think that of course <laughs> you know, we're not connecting to the, to the newbies because right. of our age, but if they only knew what a ride we could take them on and how successful we yeah. could help them to be so much sooner. Um, right. I, I almost think that we need to have a cartoon version of ourselves to reach people with just our voice and this avatar so that they can't see the age and see the the oh you're not cool enough to tell me that you're not hip and you're not an influencer i think that that's a big piece of it that's unfortunate um well i think you're right 
that's why like on my Facebook, I have a little character guy that I can make him animated and talk through him, you know, so that they don't say, they don't look at me and go, ah, oh, you're just, What's you, you don't understand. School. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, we filmed, we filmed a reality show last year called Hairdresser Power Challenge. And I was the judge in all 13 episodes. Oh, cool. And I, I have to check it out. They, they took three hairdressers, they brought in models and they would cut and color the hair and then they would style the hair and do a photo shoot and we would judge, right? And so uh, some of these uh, models that they did, they were, um, you know, some of the hair that didn't go together. Like one was doing a, um, festival hair and she had her hair up in the little little piggets here mm -hmm. and then she put flowers and flower petals on one eye and and then she had her just in a little cotton smock and i looked at that and i went that doesn't connect they don't connect with what you're doing is it avant-garde or what are you doing and so um, she told the producer of the show, she goes, well, he just doesn't understand. He doesn't know festival hair. And the producer came over to me and said, you know, hey, she's a little upset. She said, you don't know festival hair. You're, you're too old. And I said, look, my generation created festivals. Created the festival. I was just thinking that. I'm like, does she have any idea? You, were, you are Woodstock. You were at Woodstock. <laughs> right. <laughs> but oh, it was, it's so frustrating. It, it was a fun show to do. Um, I remember the first, uh, first segment that we were filming the first day we filmed, um, I took one of the co-producers out outside and I said to her, I said, how am I supposed to grade this? These people have no idea what they're doing. I mean, I was just very blunt, right? Mm -hmm. I forgot that my microphone was microphone, still hot. That's, that's a classic main. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the audio guy was, he heard everything I said. So when we came back in, he's laughing and I go, what? He goes, I heard everything you said. I went, oh my God. And so then the producer came over to me and he said, look, we're going to use that piece of your audio. Because they would take them into the back. They do it like chopped, the, right. the cooking right. show. So mm -hmm. they took them into a room and had them talk about it. So he used that to tell them, say, here's what one of the judges said about you. Oh boy. <laughs> so, three, three right under the bus. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was fun doing it. Uh, it made me understand how much people don't know Yes, we had uh, we had one. A lot of them wanted to do the the direct eyes, and so they would bring they brought in pre pre lightened heads of hair, so they didn't lighten them because they didn't have enough time to pre lighten them in the in the competition. So they brought them in pre lightened, and I'm I'm looking and I'm standing like 15 feet away, and I can see the band lines, mm. right? And I walk over to one of them and I said, "What?" you're not going to color this with the band lines in here, are you? She goes, oh, yeah, it won't be a problem at all. <laughs> turn turn it into a melted version. That's that's the the new, you know, cover up is, oh, yeah. it's a melt. It's on purpose. That band was deeper on purpose. Yeah. I well, I think that's how Shadowroot got created, don't you? They yeah. couldn't get, they couldn't blend it well enough the way, <laughs> the way they should have. So, I think, well, I'll just push something up from the bottom and uh, darken it in. But it's uh yeah it, it is true it's sometimes they negate you because you they think you don't know and if only they knew what you knew what you know yeah you know i, I find in our country we're the only country 
that does not value wisdom and age. Yeah. We are a throwaway society. And um, that's unfortunate. It is. Um, and don't ever stop doing you and being you. Don't let that get to you because I see what Jul how far Julie has come with studying with you and teaching with you. She's amazing. She's amazing, and, isn't she? And, and let let her be our younger version of us yes. to, to reach those people that maybe think that we're full of crap and too old. Um, so by you reaching her, she's reaching others and yeah. it's each one reach one. And we there's so much room for everyone to be elevated if, when they're ready. You know, they yeah. say, you know, when, when you're ready, your teacher will appear. So keep doing exactly. what you do. This has been, I mean, Thank like I you, said, we, we could make this a six hour uh, podcast. Um, uh, I, we'll definitely do a part two because I think we just got started with all of the... Right the nuggets that we can share together. Wonderful. Well, I appreciate it. You'll let me know when you're going to post it and where I can find it. Yes, of course. And okay. on that note, let people know how to find you because I'm sure their, their interest is going to be peaked and they're going to want more of what we talked about. Okay, you can find uh, our website. It is www.gurunation.net. Uh, you can find that website uh, on our website. We um, have classes that we offer online. We offer online live, what we call our virtual classroom classes. We also offer uh, pre-recorded webinars. So you can download a webinar and you can watch that. And we also do, uh, hopefully, if COVID goes away, we also do physical uh, guru on location programs. You can also find me on Facebook. On Facebook, I am at Real Captain Color. And we have a Guru Nation page on Facebook. On Facebook, did I say Facebook was at Real Captain Color? Uh, yes. Okay. Instagram is at Real Captain right. Color. Okay. Facebook is Guru Nation, or you can follow me, Dennis Gebhardt, on on Facebook and um, reach out. Let me know what you think and. Uh, all that good stuff. Elaine, I look forward to seeing you again and sharing some more time with you. Um, I think you can tell I'm pretty passionate. I can tell you're passionate about what Absolutely. we do. Absolutely. 100%. And, uh, it's always fun. Um, we could probably go on for hours. You're right. Absolutely. But thank you so much for making me uh, and allow, allowing me to be part of your program. And I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you. And you as well. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.